Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I'm your host. Thank you so much as always. SST on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, and on YouTube. Joining me today, some very good friends. Usually here talking football, but today we have some bigger fish to fry because the NBA season is here. It officially commenced on Tuesday evening. The Knicks kick off on Wednesday. So it's time to do a big old NBA preview. Talk about every team, not every team. Most of the teams in both conferences, and especially our Knicks and Nets here in New York, joining me today, the one and only Pat Boyle. How are you, my friend? Petey, what's up, brother? Always a nice little change of pace to get away from the miserable picks we've been having on in football. So why not change it up with some with some hoops here? I can't believe the season's back already. I mean, it feels like literally a month or two ago that we had the Warriors reigning supreme once again. And here we are, man. It's let's, let's dive right into it. I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this the other day. Actually, I'll, I'll save it for, I'll save it. Let's introduce our, the rest of our co-hosts for tonight. Mark Shen Lugan. How do you feel not talking picks right now? You feel better about talking some hoops instead? You know, Pete, to be honest with you, I have no idea what picks you're talking about or referring to. Um, maybe Thursday night, I'll remember exactly what you're talking about. Um, but until then I, I've chosen to wipe my mind clean of that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to take my, you know, NFL picks and bring that mediocre, mediocrity and subparness over to the NBA. So should be a lot of fun tonight. You're definitely not talking about these <laughs> picks right here, are you? It's definitely not these picks. You know, my favorite color is red. That explains <laughs> a lot. If you're looking on YouTube, if you're not, you're not sure what I'm talking about. Pulled it up on YouTube. Unfortunately, the picks did not go well for the boys uh, again this week. We're now combined 31 and 59 on the year. Why did if you have I'm, to bring it up? I'm going to throw up right now. This is a basketball episode. We need to get back to basketball. I already did. But I quickly need to just bring this up here as Cody can just laugh from the corner. What's that? We'll get yeah, to I'm, you. I'm glad I'm not putting my picks out weekly. It'll probably be a lot of red from last week, too. It's hard. It's hard, man. People do not realize the strength, the strenuous efforts that go into making these picks. And then you just fall flat on your face. It stinks. We left the pod because Pat and I had a few opposing picks, which he actually hit both of them. Falcons and Giants, where I bet Niners and Ravens. And we're like, one of us is going to have to have a winning week based off this. Yet me and Pat both went two and three and Mark Shen Lugan went <coughs> five. I, I don't know if you guys picked that one up. That was I don't want to even harp on it. It just is what it is. Mark, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's no need to cough. You can put it on whatever social media platform you want. You can feature it on Instagram, Twitter. Hell, Pat, you can give a nice shout out on FAN this weekend. I, I don't care at this point. <laughs> Nine and 21 speaks for itself. So the good thing is there's more than half the year left. So if I've Pat got just some time. into a WFAN update, I'm Pat Boyle here on WFAN. The Yankees clinched their ticket to the ALCS and Mark Shenlugan went 0 and 5. Let's go to the audio on that. I can't see how this pick's going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone at home is like, "Who's Mark Shenlugan? What are the since when are they doing picks?" Oh my god. I would, cra- I would crash my car if that happened. Anyways, Cody O'Connor, I'm so sorry that I didn't introduce you yet. Cody O'Connor is also here to talk hoops with us and uh, I'm excited. What's up, Cody? 
Oh, man, I'm happy to be back. I mean, let's get away from the misery that was the NFL picks of, of last week and talk about the fact that we're entering a top two moment in the sports calendar right now with October baseball, hockey and basketball coming back, and we're in the midst of the NFL season. So um, just excited to be here, and I'm obviously doing a little better than our, our pal Mark down there. But, hey, like you said, you never lose, Mark, until you stop. So keep going, brother. Yeah, like I love how the other two in, in this group right now are acting like they're playing twenty games above five hundred <laughs> ball right now. <laughs> like you're Pete, you're what three games ahead of me? That's it. You're 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 boasting a what twelve and eighteen record over there at the top of the division. Yep. Leading, <laughs> what is going on? Leading the pace at twelve and eighteen. All right. I don't want to hear anything else. <laughs> That's a negative pace though. Like in the battle of relegation, where all three of us are at the bottom, Mark just happens to be at the very bottom for now. Yeah, for, for now. now. For now. One game, I think one game back of Pat, three games back of Pete. There's plenty that can change. Oh, man. We shall see what where happens. We, where we achieve or uh, strive to achieve new goals of, of new lows on a week-by-week basis. There you go. And week seven picks will come at you guys on Friday, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but, but basketball, that's what we're here to talk about, the NBA. It is really intense and insane how the past couple of years in particular, really since the COVID stuff, uh, the COVID seasons took place, how quickly the NBA season jumps on me. And I think it part of it is because of doing the podcast and we're trying to touch on the Yankees and their playoff run, the Mets and their misery, all the football stuff that we're doing weekly and with the picks. It's like, oh my God, it's mid-October and here we go. The Nets are on, the Celtics are on. We got the Warriors late night and the Knicks are starting up too. What just happened? Like this is, it just happened so damn fast. And and here we are. So it's time to do a full preview to give you guys a quick little idea of how we're going to break this down. We're going to do some Eastern conference and Western conference at large discussions, talking about some of the key teams that we find interesting that are going to sit on top of the standings. Maybe some of the ones that are going to sneak up into the playoffs or into the play-in race that maybe aren't expected to do so. Take some big leaps, maybe some disappointing squads as well. Same thing for the Western Conference. Then we'll finish by doing a dedicated segment to the Knicks and the Nets, which they'll probably come up throughout the conversations, but we'll do a dedicated extra segment for them towards the end, and we'll finish off with some award predictions and any future bets that we may like. But first, let's talk about where you can place some of those bets because NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, not just new customers, but everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and play stepped-up same-game parlay today. With bigger payouts than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I always go to bet on the NBA. And I'm looking at that Wednesday night slate. I'm telling you, I'm looking at a same-game parlay in the Detroit Pistons-Orlando Magic game. You might be thinking, yeah, I'm going to do something on the Knicks game. I might, but also they're playing the Grizzlies, and they might lose. I don't want to get that on my spirit on night one. So I'm looking at Magic at Pistons, and I'm going Cade Cunningham. You're going to hear me talk about him in just a minute. Over 19.5 points plus the Detroit Pistons money line. And then on the Magic side, you get Franz Wagner and Paolo Banchero, both at 11.5 points. You take the over. That's plus 425. Then you step that up with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays, and you are cooking, my friend. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. 
Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, Pat Boyle, Mark Shen Lugan, Cody O'Connor, myself, Pete Kennedy, talking NBA hoops. And we're going to start with the Eastern Conference. So, I think a good way to go about this here. Um, as the Celtics and the Sixers took off their uh, game one on Tuesday, I want to start off with some of the teams that are have playoff expectations. So, you know, Cody, for you, you have a team that you're interested in in the Eastern Conference that made some moves and made some noise mm-hmm. last year and now made bigger moves this offseason in the Cleveland Cavaliers. So why does this team interest you? And, and obviously that part's probably a little bit obvious, but where do you kind of see them going with the Mitchell ad and, and all the stuff that they have in their arsenal now? Yeah. I mean, you said it like the Mitchell ads, obviously the piece that we're talking about is the reason that when we talk pre-show, you're asking, who do I like? Who am I going to keep interest in? It's the Cavs because they could go a couple different ways. They're still a young team, right? Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, they're still kids in this league, but they bring over Donovan Mitchell, who's, proven like he's young but he's proven in the playoffs he's a guy that you can rely on late so they're a team that I see somewhere between like the four and six but you know I was talking to my buddies the other day and we're kind of breaking down the NBA and when you start to get through each conference you realize how quickly these teams come up like the the gap between being in the playoffs and the play-in it's thin that margin is real thin like I think when we get through it you'll see some of these teams who you probably pencil in the playoffs they'll end up being a play-in and they might even be on the road in the play-in. So, um, but the Cavs, you know, they, they were really interesting last year. Uh, uh, we're on a great run up until the point where Jared Allen went down. So like you bring back a healthy Jared Allen, you've kind of got those twin towers down there. You take a little pressure off Darius Garland with, with Donovan Mitchell now. And I just think that team could flow. I could see them winning 48 to 50 games this year and being a top four to six seed. Like I said, avoiding the play in is huge man they're just a team that I'm really going to watch closely because without LeBron the Cavs have never been a team of interest and now they made really good moves which you can't often say about Cleveland um so definitely a team that is really intriguing to me out east and the Evan Mobley thing is so interesting as well because the the ceiling on him is still curious a little bit right because he he looks so damn solid as a rookie on both ends of the floor but my question is What's his true offensive potential? <clears throat> Excuse me. Like, is he going to be a guy who is a go-to scorer at any point? Is that going to take another two or three years? Or does he have that in his bag right into year two? Like, the passing's good. The touch is good. But is he going to be a guy that you can give the ball to and he can get a bucket? That I'm not so sure. However, it might not really matter. Because like you said, Donovan Mitchell, really freaking good scorer. Also, Darius Garland, one of the better point guards in the NBA. Here's a tidbit for you, Cody, that you said – Donovan Mitchell is one of those dudes, one of those proven guys for a young guy. Seventh all-time in the NBA points per game in the playoffs. 28 points per game in the playoffs for Donovan Mitchell. This is a guy who believes he can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the league from a scoring perspective. And perhaps with the new change of scenery, the defense will come back to a level where we all saw it and expected it to be earlier in his Utah career uh, rather than later where you know defense didn't seem to be a big priority. Pat, what's your read on on Cleveland here as a team that now is not just a cute team with some rookies and some young pieces, but a team that has expectations to be a playoff team? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with what Cody said. I, I think the addition of, of Donovan Mitchell is is gigantic for this team. You know, they seem like they could be a really big surprise, feel-good surprise team last year, and they seemed like they were on that track. And then the second half, they battled some injuries, um, and it just wasn't meant to be for them. And what ended up being a pretty loaded Eastern Conference, you know, this season, um, you know, again, I, I think you, you – rely upon the, the front court that had so much success for them last season with Allen and Mobley. And now, um, you know, the addition of Mitchell, I think really makes this team um, a true player in the Eastern conference. And now with them and with their odds, I should say, you know, the division's pretty much only if for some reason Giannis goes down, right? Cause they're in the same division as the bucks. The bucks are minus two forty here. Cavs plus two forty five. honestly showing some love to the Cavs, giving them that close of odds in the general really to uh to get there right just for just for the fact that the Cavs are that close in odds is pretty insane and in order for them to make the playoffs it's actually minus 350 which to be on I think that's that's pretty intense mark minus 350 for the Cavs to make the playoffs how does this go wrong I don't do you are you pro Cavs anti-Cavs like do you think of them as a minus 350 to make the playoffs type team look I'll be honest with you I'm more interested in the Plus that the Bucks are minus 240 somehow here. Chris Middleton is not healthy yet, which we know. And who knows? Cleveland could catch fire out of the gate. You're well-rounded one through five. You got a good bench. You know, Kevin Love's still there on the bench. Okoro's going to slide to a bench roll. You're going to get a full year of health out of Karis LeVert. And I don't know. It's it's very interesting. I think the Bucks are more are more minus 240 based on brand name and history at this point rather than where they actually are coming out into this season. So, but yeah, just to, you know, allude to your previous thing with the minus three fifty. I mean, you could say that about everybody in the NBA regarding injury, but that, that seems to pr- pretty much be the only way this thing blows up for them. Um, because when you look at the East as a whole and just the other teams there, do you expect them in the top four or five? Maybe I give them an outside chance if everything breaks correctly for them, but they're probably settling in that five to to eight role. I don't think they're a playing team. I think they're above that. Um, so, yeah, it's going to take an injury. And, honestly, it's probably going to take an injury or two for them for them not to make the playoffs. Because even if one guy does go down, you still have a pretty solid team to to sneak in when you're dealing with other teams like the the Knicks who might be challenging for one of those spots. So, Yeah, and 47.5 uh, are the over-under for Cleveland. As I said, minus 350 to make the playoffs, plus 150 to make the play-in. Uh, which is an interesting number there. And that's a really fun bet. We're going to talk about that throughout the night here, the play-in bet, because like you guys said, there's a lot of teams here who you can make the argument are a top six team in each conference. That means there's going to be four teams, two or three of which probably have good records who make the play-in tournament. For example, last year, all uh, of the play- play-in teams were separated by just one game. 44 wins for both Brooklyn and Cleveland, 43 wins for Atlanta and Charlotte. And then in the Western Conference, a little bit more spread, 46 wins for Minnesota, 42 for the Clippers, and then 36 and 34 for the for the uh, Pelicans and Spurs. Going to be tighter in the West. So now, Pat, to move on here a little bit, talk about another team in that division who had a really weird year last year, the Chicago Bulls. They jump out as interesting to you. Is that in a positive perspective or a negative perspective? Because this is something that could really go either way. I think it's a positive perspective. I feel like everybody's down on Chicago this year for no reason. Um, People forgot that they were the best team in the Eastern Conference through the middle of December last year. 
and then injuries ab- absolutely just ravaged their season. Now, I, I understand the bleak outlook because of the injury to Lonzo Ball. You're not sure when he's coming back. He had that second arthroscopic knee surgery. I would, I mean, unless things just continue to spiral downhill for him in his recovery, I can't see any, re- any way he's not back by January. So look, this year, I'd rather them be healthy going into April, um, you know, a little bit banged up, find, figure out some things, really kind of go through some adversity, build some good team chemistry, build some character uh, through December, January, rather than the opposite last year, where they got off to a hot start. They were one of the best defensive teams, their most efficient shooting teams uh, through January. And then the injuries to Lonzo Ball, the injuries to Zach Levine, um, and, and kind of a, a really bad year, a little disappointing year for Nikola Vucevic. I really was expecting a lot more out of him. I think the combination of all those things, um, you know, really set them back. You know, this year, now they've got, now they've got Alex, uh, you know, Caruso coming back for them here off of a strong season he had, and he was banged up last year too. Remember that scumbag? Um, <laughs> Grayson Allen. Yeah, Grayson Allen. Blanked on his name. That's how much I just saw red there when I remember how he broke his broke his elbow, broke his wrist. Um, I think that set them back defensively a lot too. I think he was kind of a heartbeat of the team last year for them. Um, But this year he's healthy. Again, I'm expecting Lonzo to be healthy at some point by, uh, you know, December, January. I'm expecting a bounce back year from Nikola Vucevic. Maybe, you know, just like I had the infatuation with the Raiders and with our football podcast and how I thought they were going to win the AFC West. Maybe that's kind of like the blind faith. I'm just putting the stock in the Chicago Bulls this year. Um, but what they're over under for wins is 41 and at 42 and a half. I mean, people are expecting them to be a 500 team. They were like 15 games above 500 in December last year. So I expect that defense to be back and better. I like some of the additions they made in the off season, bringing in Goran Dragic, who, you know, again, is obviously far from the player he was years ago, but is still a good veteran to have for a team that needs to bounce back this year that got off to a great start and then fizzled out um, two guys, two young guys that I'm looking for this year. Ayo Desunmu, I think he could be a dark horse, most improved player of the year award candidate for me. I think he's fantastic. He jumps off the screen. If he can, you know, really start to get his numbers up from deep, he could be an electric scorer because he his ability to get to the bucket, um, you know, he just blows past defenders at times. He's got great speed, great power. Um, and, and then again, while ball, while ball is out, it's going to be up to, you know, it's going to be up to Io. It's going to be up to Dragic to handle the load for the point guard. It's going to be up to Caruso at times leading the second the second unit. I imagine he's be coming off the bench. And also another young guy in Kobe White, who I want to see take a step up for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, but, you know, Patrick Williams, he's got to be a stud for them down low in the paint. I'm just really intrigued. I'm geeking out when I kind of look at this Chicago Bulls team because I feel like at their ceiling, they could be a 52-win team. They could be a top three seed in the East. They could make a run to the conference finals. But just like it was last year, a lot of that's going to be dependent on, on, upon health for them. I mean, DeMar had an MVP-type season last year, uh, basically all the way until the last couple of weeks of the year. So I'm expecting DeMar to put up big numbers again. And, if, again, if this team – that's a big if. If this team stays healthy, they're going to be a dark horse in the Eastern Conference. I love Chicago this year. Last year, the unsung heroes of the team were Caruso and Ball. When those two guys were healthy, those they're the glue. They're the people who make DeRozan's points and Levine's points worth something because they didn't stop scoring when those guys went down. Those guys were still getting buckets. They just weren't as good of a team, right? And that's why Patrick Williams is of the utmost importance. Same with Drogic's health and 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 uh, Desumnu. I love the call out on him. I thought he was really, really good last year. But Caruso being back is huge. The Ball thing is really, really tough. 
I think more so though, Pat, where I disagree with you is I don't think they got particularly worse. I think enough teams around them got better and that's why they're going to settle down into the low forties. I think 41 and a half is pretty properly placed and it's really on a bet if they're going to be over 500 or not. My, my guess is that they're going to be slightly under 500 and it's wow. a really, tough, it's a really tough thing to say, but to me, it's more pro Raptors, pro Cavs, pro Hawks than it is anti bulls. I think some of those teams did just enough to get better than the bulls rather than the bulls almost more steadying where they are. And that stagnation is going to lead to some less wins. And plus there's some teams we're going to talk about on the lower end of this Eastern conference, who I think are just more competitive than they were last year. And that's going to make it more difficult. One thing that we haven't mentioned yet, and we probably should have, this goes for a lot of teams. Everybody who's a play in possibility team all the way down to the bottom. If things go bad and go really bad quick, the women Yama sweepstakes become more and more real. And we might see a lot of different teams just go haywire and say, welcome. Webinyama's down there somewhere. Let's tank this thing down and get some good odds on the lottery because if we get him, our franchise might just change. And if we get number two, Scoot Henderson's damn good as well. That's something that we're going to have to keep an eye out during the year. And those over-unders that look like a lock, like say you take like a, you know, a magic over-under and then Paolo, you know, rolls an ankle after the all-star break and they say, yeah, let's shut him down. That, that's going to see, so you might have 24 wins and then all of a sudden the magic are tanking to get down, down to the uh, best odds again. All that stuff's going to come into play because Webin Yama. Nobody has thoughts about Webin Yama. Come on. No, I mean, I feel like he's, I feel like he's the, you know, the next biggest thing. I feel like he is one of the most hyped prospects in the last decade. Um, I mean, the tape doesn't lie, right? He's what, 7'3", seven, 7'3", three? Seven, three, stretch 5", that can shoot from 30 feet out. Um, his his length is unbelievable. He's a fantastic defender. I mean, he was making Rudy Gobert look like, you know, anything but Rudy Gobert in some of those summer hype videos, some of those summer practices we were seeing. I know it's practice. I know Rudy Gobert was probably going 100%, but, I mean, look, I don't have, I don't have to sit here and tell you why Wembenyama is going to be special. Yeah. I just one, – one, one of the press conferences I loved – from Popovich a couple weeks ago. He literally, one of the first thing he said is this team's not going to win a championship this year. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Just kind <laughs> of setting the precedent a little bit. They might win 22 games if they're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting as well. And then just to close a, to close a pin on the bulls, we don't need to spend too much more time on them. Lonzo man, a guy who I've just loved and loved and loved. Can't, have a full season man it really started to come together for him last year and i'm so disappointed he's hurt again you you for your bet and your sake on this take pat you're gonna need him to get back and healthy he is just such a great glue guy fourth starter who does so many things for a team i hope he gets back soon uh let's move on to a team that was perhaps one of the best teams in the eastern conference even though they never quite feel like it the miami heat mark they're a team to me that could be very ugly to watch night to night. However, they put it together and win damn games. They almost even made it to the finals on a last second shot Jimmy Butler took to try to get all, to get the Celtics out of the playoffs. So, Shen, why did you pick the Heat here as a team you're interested in, other than the fact that I made you pick one? Well, Pete, I think it's quite obvious. You know, they made the offseason free agent signing of the se- the offseason, if that's the best way to put it. Udonis Haslam was back in a Miami Heat jersey. Um. <laughs> 
So look, you have to take that into account. He brings so much leadership to the team. But uh, but no. Um, look, they were so close last year, and it just seems like with all the dysfunction that there is potential to be in the Eastern Conference, starting namely with the Brooklyn Nets, which we'll, we'll get into much later, it seems like the Miami Heat are just the most stable team in the NBA year in and year out. Um, and I think it's really just because of Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley. Um, they don't deal with the bullshit. Um, they've got great leadership on the team and themselves with the players, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler there as well. Um, you sign Hero, see he's got his money now with the extension. He was one of the best players, best players off the bench last year. Victor Oladipo's back on a one-year deal. Kyle Lowry supposedly dropped some body fat percentage to get himself in better shape and avoid those soft tissue injuries. Um, look, you look at all, you look at everything, you add it all up. They should be a little bit better than last year, I'm thinking. And like you said, they were a shot away from beating Boston and going back to the finals. This is a team that was there just a couple years ago. Um, so look, with all the dysfunction that, like I alluded to earlier, that could take place, they are the, the ship that sails steadily in the night. And that could end up being there in the end when it's all said and done. So you can't count them out. Never. You never can. And and you know one guy that you really uh, just kind of mentioned in passing there that I love in this league, it's Bam Adebayo. I'm waiting for the offensive explosion. And on a different podcast, uh, the Oakland Warriors podcast, I was a guest with Patrick Epino recently talking about the Eastern Conference, and I brought up Bam Adebayo. And I consider him offensively like a very light version of Nikola Jokic. And I, I say very light on purpose. If you guys listen to this podcast, you know – how I feel about Nikola Jokic. That is that that is that man. That is him, right? But Bam Adebayo has a lot of those same skill sets and is more athletic, not as good of a shooter from distance, but has good touch, can pass the crap out of the ball, obviously not quite at Jokic level, but I'm waiting for Bam to assert himself as a scorer. And everyone knows of Jokic after these past three or four years where he became a 22 to 25, now 26 point per game guy. He was not that dude early in his career, his first three seasons, he was mid teens points per game. And we're saying, yo, Jokic, you look like you can be that guy. When are you going to put your foot down and just get buckets? Any of you guys, Cody or Pat, do you think Bam has that in his bag here where in the next year or two, we can see him become an offensive force outside of, you know, high post, move the ball, et cetera. Do you think he could be one of those scorers? I think he has it in his bag. Sorry, I'm going to take this Pat, but I'm just like you, Pete, like, when's he going to show it? Like, and, and I'll tell you, I think now is the time because if he doesn't, I think I disagree with you a little, Shen. Like, I love the point that Miami's a steadying force. They absolutely are. I never like to bet against them because they are just like a team that's always around. They're really well run. Like, I always value like a good organizational team, but it's kind of about the other teams like Pete alluded to earlier, like. I see Miami as a prime team to kind of fall off a little bit closer to the play. And then I think as a top seed, um, Tyler heroes, like they're outside of Udonis Haslam. He's their big sign. Like you've got a lot riding on the shoulders of Tyler hero right now. And I don't know if he's pro like able to do that. Jimmy Butler's got so many miles on him. Now it seems like Kyle Lowry's like 107 years old. I don't care what his body fat percentage is. He can't stay healthy because he plays like a madman, which has given him all these years. It's made him valuable, but I don't know that it's lasting. They, again, I don't love to bet against Miami. I love the heat culture. I really do believe in all that. But like the teams around them, the Hawks, 
the um, Raptors. Like, I think they're going to jump Miami. I could see Miami dropping down to like a seven seed. And then, hey, look, if they make some noise in the play, and I wouldn't be surprised, but going back to it, I think Bam has to be that guy for Miami to stay out of the play in. And if you're watching on YouTube, you saw I just pulled it up, but to read it to everybody listening on the podcast apps, plus 210 to make the play in for the Miami Heat. Their over under is 48 and a half. And plus 210 is not crazy, Cody. You think about the way this can shape out. We haven't talked about really most of the top tier of the Eastern Conference just yet, but you think about now the Milwaukee Bucks, Boston Celtics, 76ers. Those three are probably locked in to be in the playoffs, right? Those three above all else are locked in to be in the playoffs here. Then you talk about the Toronto Raptors who were in it last year, the Brooklyn Nets who we'll talk about, who have a chance obviously to be really good. Same thing with the Hawks and uh, the Bulls even, throw them in there. And then the Cavs. It's not out of the realm of possibilities for the Heat to be at 45 wins here and be a play-in team. Maybe it could be like last year within one game, right? They can be within one game of the four seed for all that matters and still be a play-in team. I think the East could be really that tight. Anybody, uh, any interest in that? Plus 210, Pat, any interest? No interest. Just to go off your point about Bam Adebayo, um, inside the arc, um, I would say maybe inside 18 feet. Yes, I'd say he could be Nikola Jokic light, but they, he can't shoot a three-pointer to save his life. So, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys are expecting him to all of a sudden be able to knock down threes, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, you know, his game in the post, I feel like it, it has kind of always lacked a little bit of creativity. It's lacked a little bit, um, you know, it doesn't, doesn't all, it's not meet the eye. Um, I, I think he has kind of maxed out his offensive potential over the last two years. You know, I think he is basically going to be a guy that averages about 18, 19 a game, especially in a Miami offense that is so balanced and has so many scores and is reliant on a lot of other guys to knock down shots that I feel like at times Bam is just a drop-off guy. He's a guy that, um, you know, can, can go out and, and use the, utilize the pick and roll and, you know, be a good rim runner. But I, I kind of, I, I don't, I don't, maybe I don't appreciate his offensive value as much as you and Cody do. Um, I kind of think he has maxed out, like I said, offensively. I don't, I don't really see him taking a big step forward. Uh, I think he's going to be a probably top three candidate for defensive player of the year. Uh, but offensively, he is not going to take this team to the next level. They would have to come from Jimmy. It would have to come from a resurgence, uh, not a resurgence. It would have to come from Hero taking another step forward and being one of the truly great scorers in the game. Mm. Um, and it would take some of the young guys like Caleb Martin to, you know, to keep getting better, Max Strews to keep getting better. And of course, Oladipo to stay healthy, which that looks like it's in jeopardy to start the season as well. Right. Yeah. I, and I, I don't disagree. I, it's just something that I'm very curious and I'm going to be watching. I do think this year he gets to like 21, right? Instead of 19, but not a big leap. I want to see him almost incorporate like an Amari Stoudemire face-up type game from that high post because he's so good at passing from the high post. If he can use the size and strength to get in there and get to the line, maybe finish a little bit about around the rim, you know, he can create two or three more shots for himself a game. And again, it's not a guarantee, like you said, Pat. That's why I said very light Nikola Jokic, not, not light Nikola Jokic, not Nikola Jokic at Jace because Nikola is one of one right now and, and the three-point shot is non-existent for sure. Um, all right, let me talk about the Detroit Pistons here because I love, love the Detroit Pistons. Not to do anything special, but definitely for a team to just watch and keep a close eye on because I think this really, really strongly. Cade Cunningham is going to solidify himself as a top 15, I might as well say top 12 player in the NBA this year. 
I think this guy has absolutely the full package as a wing point guard, whatever you want to call him. He's got size. He's got poise. He's got touch and he's got toughness. This guy had a really weird start to his seat, his rookie season last year. He missed the first couple of games and then he started slow out of the gate. After that, this guy took off. His second half stats are insane. And the Detroit Pistons were 11 and 14 to close the season. That's not very good, obviously, but for the Detroit Pistons, that's damn good. Their over under is, is nothing special. It's nothing to really, you know, look too closely to, but, uh, it's like 20. No, it's 29 and a half. It's not even close to that. I think it's an automatic over though, for the Detroit Pistons, their depth is going to be what kind of holds them back. But between Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Isaiah Stewart, now Bojan Bogdanovich, Sadiq Bay, they bring in Alec Burks and New Orleans Noel from the Knicks. They're not a bad team. They do lack some, some depth after those guys. So I'm not sure how they're going to hang around, you know, for, for 82, especially with some injuries, but I'm, I'm telling you guys, I could not be higher on Cade Cunningham, the full package shoot and score from all three levels. Passing is one of the best wing passers in the game right now. I think we're going to look up at this guy and say, he's an all-star this year and he'll be an all-star every single year that he's healthy for the rest of his career is my hype on Cade Cunningham a little bit too intense. Do I need somebody to pour some cold water on me here? Or do you guys see what I'm seeing in Cade Cunningham? No, I mean, I see what you see. Uh, I definitely think he could be a top 12, top 15 player. Um, whether it be this year within the coming years, it, we'll, we'll see. But I definitely think it's going to happen at some point. Um, look, the Pistons are an intriguing team. You know, they've been at the bottom for a couple of years now. Actually, it's, it's probably been more than a, than a couple of years since Andre Drummond was leading them to an eight seed and getting swept by LeBron in round one when the East was just so tough for the road that he had to go through. But that's a whole other point for another day. Um, but, yeah, I, com- I completely agree with you from, from your perspective. So, I think – go ahead, Cody. Go ahead. At 12 to 15, it's early to say that because not that Cade doesn't have the skill set. It's just – who are you bumping out of that 12 to 15? The league is crazy talented. So like he could get there. He could even be an all-star this year. But when you start to like really break down what 12 to 15 looks like, you're talking about guys like Jason Tatum and Damian Lillard in that realm. That's tough to break through. And Pete, you better be careful what you wish for with these Pistons, because if they are the team that you think they are, your Knicks better watch their back because I told you that Eastern Conference, it comes up quick. So that play-in, all of a sudden, if the Pistons are that good, which I don't think you're saying that they're going to compete for the play-in necessarily, but they're sneaky enough where the Knicks have to watch their back because I think that's the type of team you have to be careful for when you probably can knock out you know, the Pacers and, and, and the Magic and those teams like that. They're in the Wembem Yama, I can't pronounce his name, sweepstakes. Yeah, Cade Cunningham last year, 17 points, five rebounds, five assists. I, I, I can just see that very easily getting to 21, six and six, 21, seven and five uh, this year. And again, that it's going to come down to the playmaking. I could easily see him at eight assists per game. It's going to depend on how much point guarding Jaden Ivey does along with uh, that offense there. And if Killian Hayes can ever figure anything out. But if, if they're frisky, and they get to 35, 36 wins. You know, they, they may not be a play-in team. They're plus 600 to make the play-in tournament here. And, and you're right, because I always make this joke, Cody, that there's 20 top five players in the NBA, if you ask Twitter. 
right? Like everybody's a top five player. Every time somebody scores 35 points twice in a row, they're a top five player. That's not how it works. And that's why I started off with top 15. But if you think about, you know, Jason Tatum probably being in that seven to eight range this year, right? Is that, that's probably pretty fair to say. I could easily see a world where we consider Cade 15th because you, you think obviously um, Giannis, Durant, um, uh, LeBron, if you want to still put him in there, and Embiid, Jokic, Doncic is a top like six, seven range, and Steph Curry, that's like seven, then Tatum, eight range. Embiid. Yeah, I, I think I just said Embiid too. You know, after that, there is a drop-off now, right? And if you think about some of the other folks who are in that range, like Devin Booker averaged 27 points a game last year. I think the impact of Cade with the with the assists that he can bring and the offensive commanding that he can have for any team, and obviously the team that he's on, I would make the argument that he is just as impactful, if not better, than a Devin Booker. And we're going to see what happens with the Suns. We'll talk about them when we get to the Western Conference. But, you know, Devin Booker has only really been a successful winning basketball player when Chris Paul has been on the team, right? So to say that he's like a lock for top 15, I'm just using him as an example. I, I would I would argue that someone like Cade Cunningham could be looked at as an equal if he can get to 23 points a game with the seven or eight assist and being the focal point of an offense on a bad team. Why, why not? So you're right. It's going to be tough for him to actually crack it and be considered a top 15 player. I do just believe that after an all-star appearance, and locking him in for an all-star every year after after this, we can have that conversation with some real gusto. I think he's going to have to just straight up be able to, to shoot the ball better. I think he's going to have to become a better shooter. He's going to have to become a better scorer. And I'm going to go ahead and not say just on his own, but I'm going to say somebody that I think you can attach to his hip as to whether or not both of them will be successful is going to be Jaden Ivey. I think if he is the electric point guard playmaker, they hope that he is when they drafted him he could be able to set up Cade Cunningham for wide open shot after wide open shot after wide open mid-range after pick and roll. Apparently they've been doing a ton of drills together all summer long. Dwayne Casey's pumping them up big time. I know Dwayne Casey's obviously, you know, got more pressure on him now, now that they've gone to through how many straight drafts inside the top five or top six. So um, I I think if Jaden Ivey is the point guard that a lot of Pistons fans hope he can be, that will directly um, you know, can, that directly can take Cade Cunningham to the next level. But uh, I think just on his own, he's got to be a better shooter because his, his numbers, you know, were too low, way too inconsistent last year at times. Yeah, yeah. The first half of the season was not not. I mean, yeah, he missed his first, what, 18 threes? Yeah, yeah. He was like historically bad to start as a rookie there. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Pistons and with Cade Cunningham. I'm super excited to watch him uh, hopefully take it to the next level. Uh, let's do a quick little re- recap here of the Eastern Conference and talk about who we think is the number one team here. Let's just go around the horn here quickly. Mark Shenlugan, let's start with you. Who's the number one seed in the Eastern Conference in your eyes? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, hold on. That's not – I'm sorry for laughing. I'm sorry for laughing. I'm only laughing because I happened to notice Cody's giant shirt when you said that. How can you be such a homer for the Brooklyn Nets and such a hater – the team that you say you're a fan of in the New York Giants. Well, Pete, I, I told Cody this before we almost started the show today. I almost got on with my Eli Manning New York Giants jersey because that's what a real quarterback looks like. Um, <laughs> not the current fraud leading the team who will be taking grad classes at Duke within three to four years, but that's another point for another podcast for another day. What did uh, he do to you? Did he, like, sleep with one of the, somebody in your family? I don't get the, the vitriol for Daniel Jones. <laughs> 
He's horrible. But again, let's let's not get off topic here. You know, you asked me a question, one word answer. I'm pretty confident it. The answer is Brooklyn. Could they also have? Could they also finish last in the in the East with the team blown up by Christmas? The answer to that question could be Brooklyn as well. Um, but we'll see. You know, I so mean, you, you, so you think the the ship though will be as steady as can be with a trio of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons? You think that that trio is coming out of the East? I did not say that ship is as steady as it can be. As a matter of fact, 50 people may walk the plank between now and, and May when the playoffs start. No, that can't happen, man. That can't but, happen again. That, that listen, summer. it very well could. Like I, doing that segment. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But, uh, yes, you're asking me who comes out of – who's the number one seed in the East. You didn't ask me who comes out of the East. You asked me who's the number one seed in the East. But, granted, from my perspective, it's the same answer regardless. The answer is the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Kyrie. The world is flat Irving. So, <laughs> so I mean, listen, I actually think it's a better bet to say they'll come out of the East rather than win the East in the regular season. You're probably right. right. I do think there's more consistency out of the Celtics and Bucks and even Sixers. I think they're a great pick for the number one seed as well. I, I, I don't know if the Nets will have the endurance to win 58 games, which is might be what it takes to win the Eastern Conference. Uh, so, so I don't know about them being the number one seed, which probably led to my reaction. However, we've been talking about this. If they're right, they're going to be freaking good. So it, it's a fair take. It's just a little bit of, a, of an unhinged take as well. But we like unhinged Kyrie, uh, at least on the court. So we'll see what happens. Cody, who's your number one seed in the Eastern Conference? Before I get to that, it's Pete, you read my mind when Shen goes all in on Brooklyn, yet the 5-1 and one Giants aren't enough for him. But again, I don't want to derail this conversation because we've been having it in our group chat for weeks now. Um, I'm going to go with a little bit of a boring pick probably, but I just think it's their conference until proven otherwise. I still think it's the Bucs. Unless Middleton's injury is worse than I'm led to believe, I think the Bucs are the best team. I think Giannis is the best player in the conference. Philly made some good additions, sure. Uh, Brooklyn's a walking question mark. We'll get to them later. Um, so I think the safest money's Milwaukee. Pat? Sorry, double muted. I was going to go Milwaukee, but just for the sense of mixing it up here, I, my answer is Milwaukee. I For all the same reasons Cody said, if I had to choose somebody else, it's Philadelphia. It is the 76ers potentially as the number two seed that – um, you know, Tyrese Maxey, there's another guy that I think could be NBA most improved player and, you know, vaunt himself into all-star status. Um, you know, I, I think the addition of PJ Tucker is huge for them. So we'll see, you know, a lot of it is, is the shortcomings of Doc Rivers as a head coach in the playoffs. I mean, let's call it for what it is. The guy is a compiler. He's a legendary head coach. He's an NBA champion, but for the better part of the last decade, he has been a walking mediocrity when it comes to game planning in the playoffs. So if they can get there, awesome. Um, but yeah, I think the 76ers in terms of the talent, they have the chance. I uh, don't want to get too ahead of myself, but, uh, James Harden, 35 points, nine of 14 shooting, 12 oh. attempts, free throw line, seven assists in game one on Tuesday night. In Pete, I'm glad you brought his name up to be honest with you, because if you roll, yeah. if you roll back the tape to like two years ago, when the Nets had Harden, Durant and Kyrie, Pat said they'll never win anything, but Hey, now that he's in Philadelphia, they could come out of the East. Bro. Wait, 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 wait. Hold Let on. Me, go ahead, Pat. Just, just, I just got one question. Are you wrong? No. No, you were not wrong. But but I want to know why there's such a difference of opinion here now that he's playing one state to the north or whatever it is. Because his teammate's Joel Embiid, and it's not Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. That's, that's one. He's skinny now. So <laughs> that, there you go. No, Cody, you're right, though. My dude's in shape. 
I think he's actually in shape right now, and he's not uh, trying to play into shape. And I've been a big James Harden defender for a long time, and this past year or two, it's been really, really hard for us James Harden stands out there. But this guy said he lost a lot of weight. He looks good, and he showed up in game one. I mean, that's a spotlight game, and we know James Harden in a spotlight game has been small, not in size, but in stature <laughs> for the past couple of years now. This this might be something. And Pat mentioned specifically on the playoff hopes of a James Harden team. This is not a, the question. It's who's the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And if Embiid is gunning for that MVP, I mean, goddamn, if James Harden's playing good and Tyrese Maxey looks good, who's stopping this team consistently? And Philadelphia added Montrez Harrell, Daniel House, and DeAnthony Melton. I love all three of those. And P.J. Tucker. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, and P.J., who I mentioned before, but yeah. So Doc I, Rivers I'm, is stopping them, by the way. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with Cody. Yeah, and that's my pick for, for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. The most wins in the East, I'm picking the Philadelphia 76ers. So that's that's my choice as well, even though the Bucks always feel like a good choice. The Middleton thing will be very important. I stand very strong that if Middleton was healthy last year, we're talking about a Bucks warriors final and not a Celtics-Warriors finals. Uh, but that's the Eastern Conference right there. We're obviously, we didn't touch on the Knicks much. Don't worry, Knicks fans. We're talking New York Knicks in a little while as a, a, a its own standalone segment. So just just stay tuned for that. Let's talk Western Conference now, though. Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle, Mark Shinlugan, Cody O'Connor, Subway Sports Talk, now talking Western Conference. So now let's start off with a team of interest as well for you, Cody. We'll stay in the same order here. I think this team that you highlighted is incredibly interesting and made some serious noise in a losing effort last year in the playoffs. The Mm -hmm. New Orleans Pelicans are locked and loaded, and they're ready to make some noise. So, Cody, why did you pin them out as a team of interest to you? I know you have some futures on them as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you want to wait for that or not, but I I absolutely have money invested in in the – Pelicans and I, I after doing some NFL picks I, I sent you guys like that list that I made on my prep period um, don't worry school I'm doing my work don't worry about it um, the Pelicans are just like you said like they finished the year last year kind of how like the Suns finished that year in the bubble where it was like oh are they building something right now and we're just talking about skinny James Harden anyone see Zion lately he looks like he went from an offensive lineman to a tight end and a tight end that can catch the ball that is not a blocking tight end he looks awesome, and I just – the last time we saw that guy, he took the league by storm. I don't see why he can't do that again. And a guy who I didn't like, who I'm now huge on in Brandon Ingram, I he was amazing last year. I was really like – he's a selfish kind of guy. He's a – you know, as Bill Simmons likes to say, a, he's like a paddock in stats or what is he called, a good stats, bad team guy, I believe. Like that's how I saw Brandon Ingram, and I think bringing in C.J. McCollum could kind of be like, hey, look, You've done your thing, Brandon. You've gotten your points now. Let's go chase this thing. We've got a real chance with this team. Jose, or is that his name, Alvarado? I don't know if his first name is Jose. I don't want to mess that up. It is. But, uh, you know, like he, he just kind of, like, brings that, like, annoyance that you kind of need for those good teams, which is why I think you guys are a little high on Philly, right? Because they brought in a guy like a Montrez Harrow and a P.J. Tucker that, like, those championship caliber teams or those deep playoff run teams need. That's the Alvarado in them. Like, they've got that kind of guy. They've got the veteran presence in McCollum. And I think they have two stars and an absolute superstar in Zion. We talked about top 15 in the league. I think Zion healthy is a top 10. He's like an unstoppable force. So I'm really high on them. I hope I'm not wrong because I I backed it with my money. I believe their win total is 44 and a half. I took that. 
And then I took them at 50 plus wins as well, which was something in like the plus 270 range, not on DraftKings. I don't want to mention the other book because I know you've got a promo with DraftKings, so I'm not even going to mention who that is. But I just really like this roster. I really like how they finished last season. And even though the West is loaded, I just think that they're going to be a team that we're going to look up and say, holy crap, like they're the four seed right now. They're the three seed right now. And we're in March. Like this team is for real. Minus 165 to make the playoffs and um, plus, I'm sorry, minus 130 to play in the play-in. So right there, Cody, that's that's some odds that can interest you as well. And it's almost like a little bit of a hedge on your 50 bet, right? If they if they get 50, they're in the playoffs. But if they make the play-in, they have a really, really great matchup against a lot of teams. And somebody you didn't mention in that little rundown there is Herb Jones. That is the type of guy who people do not want to see across from them when they're trying to score or do anything offensively. He is one of the best defenders possibly in the league already in his second year. That's how good he was as a rookie. This team is deep. This team has some juice now, and I, I love this team very much. I can't wait to watch them. McCollum actually fits better on this team than he did possibly on any of the Portland teams he was ever on because their size and defense around him. It's not another scoring guard who they have to rely on. The scorers are the bigs and the wings in Ingram, Williamson, and Valanchunas. CJ can just score and facilitate. <clears throat> That's something that he's been best at and looked great in in that role last year with, with New Orleans. So very excited about this team. And even think about some of their depth. I mean, they got Trey Murphy, who's another good wing off the bench. They got Devonta Graham, who's a little bit of a spark plug change of pace guy for them off the bench. I don't know how much of a role he'll play for him to even find the minutes. And then lastly, I'll mention Dyson Daniels, another lanky guy who just does everything right on the court could be another rookie who we see in a playoff rotation, just doing good things on the basketball court. I'm all in with you, Cody on the Pelicans over 44 and a half at minimum. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's Pelicans talk. How about that? Any other thoughts on the Pelicans before we move on? I don't want to cut anyone off. <clears throat> okay. So next on the Western Conference, Pat, we'll, we'll go to you. And they're a team that had a nice season last year, but obviously expectations were so much trimmed down because of the injuries to Michael Porter and Jamal Murray. The Denver Nuggets are now primed and healthy for a serious comeback season here with the two-time MVP, with Murray back, with Michael Porter back, who was absolutely off the charts as a scorer before he went down. Pat, the Nuggets to you. Where are you looking at them? Are, are you looking at them as a really high ceiling team or just another one of those middling Western teams that you're just going to like to watch? Is it, is it somewhere in, in between there? Well, Pete, I'm going to say this, Mark, do you, you mind just muting real quick? Thanks. Uh, I'm going to say this about Denver. I'm not going to mince any words. Um, I've got them winning the NBA championship this year. I, think the, Denver, I think the Denver Nuggets win the title um, as high as you, as high as I was on the Chicago Bulls, multiply that by a hundred with the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic is him. He's going to win the MVP for a third time. I don't care that if people are going to say, oh, his scoring's going to be down because you know who's coming back. Nope. He is going to take his game to another level again this year and put any doubt behind him about not, you know, for Philadelphia and Joel Embiid not getting it last year. It is Jokic. He is him. He's winning the MVP. Oh, yeah. And then you got Jamal Murray, who was a walking bucket in the bubble, coming back after 18 months with an injury. You got MPJ coming back, who I'm expecting to take another big step forward this year as one of the most lethal shooters. And then um, 
you know, some of the additions they made to this team. KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. It's got to be a solid 3 and D guy for them. He's got to knock down shots. He's got to defend on the wing. He's got to come up with turnovers. Bruce Brown's got to be the glue guy that the Nets had and lost because they're a walking dysfunction. And uh, I'm expecting Bruce Brown to be a really big glue guy for them this year. You know, I don't really know about Aaron Gordon. It feels like he is a year away from falling off a cliff now for the last two years. But even then, then he kind of stuns you with like a 30-point game every now and then. Um, but And then you've got, yeah, another walking bucket in Bones Highland, who we saw lighted up last year at times. So I just – I love the way this team's orchestrated, man. And I know the big thing is, okay, sure, they're going to win – I think they're going to win 56 games. I think they're the number one seed in the West. Um, and sure, even if they win 52, 50 to 52 games like they have every single year with Mike Malone, okay, that's fine. They go up. They maybe win the first round. You know, they got to the Western Conference Finals two years ago. And then they're going to go up against a team that puts um, Jokic in a blender with the pick and roll at the, at the top of the key or at the top of the perimeter. And they'll just outshoot them. And they're just, you know, they'll, they'll run into a team like Phoenix. They'll run into a team like Dallas. No, that's not going to happen this year. The, the, the return of Murray and Michael Porter Jr., I know you guys know, I can't stress enough to anybody that's listening, how major that is for this team, uh, how lethal they can be, the, the adversity they've gone through, and what I think they're going to look like now coming out on the other end. And I think they've made the necessary additions defensively. Um, you know, DeAndre Jordan's obviously never going to be, you know, a top center anymore, but that's a nice guy to have on the team. Uh, veterans like that that can help out. And, you know, again, the trio of Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr., I think are going to be one of the best threes in the NBA this year. And I am all in on the Nugs, man. To go on one of your points, just to, to add to it, Aaron Gordon has always been a number four type cast as a number two. And that's what he had to play again last year. He had to be a number two. But when this guy is running around off screens, cutting to the to the rim, as the fourth option on an offense, his value skyrockets, and that's where he'll hopefully be back at. And then you get him to hit a corner three here and there and shoot a little bit uh, in some advantageous positions. When you're leaning on Aaron Gordon to be a 20-point-per-game scorer, you're surely going to be disappointed. But when you need him to average 13 and occasionally go for 24, you're going to be very happy. And you're talking about Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon, two of the best guys who find open space inside the paint and Nikola Jokic doing his thing is going to find them wide open frequently with KCP, Michael Porter Jr. And Jamal Murray on the court. Those guys are going to be open all day. They're going to be inside getting wide open dunks and wide open layups constantly. And that little push floater from Bruce Bound, I know the Nets fans are going to miss it. They're not going to be watching many Nuggets games, but me and Pat will, and it's going to be electric. I'm all in on the Nuggets as well. Not to be too all in on two teams that we've talked to about, but you guys know where I stand on Nikola Jokic. That is that man. He is him. I'll say it again. So I love Jokic and the Nuggets. They are primed for a big time season. It'll be very disappointing if they end up with 46, 47 wins and are in the play-in. That'll be very disappointing, but the West is very strong. Any thoughts about uh, uh, any of that, Mark? Um, I'm not as high on them as the two of you are. Um, Pat's, Pat's saying NBA championship. Pete, I don't know where you exactly have them finishing, but I honestly think it could be a little bit of a struggle for them out of the gate. Jamal Murray hasn't played in a very long time. There could be a lot of rust over the first 15 to 20 games. You never know. Um, Michael Porter Jr., this back injury of his, I think, is honestly a major concern. Um, we'll see if he can stay healthy for the full season. Uh, you know, Jokic is going to do his thing. Do I think he can win the MVP three years in a row? I think the numbers will be there, but I don't think the media – 
and the narrative will be there considering Jamal Murray is back now and the media took to me took a lot of heat for giving it to him over Embiid at the end of last season so do I see them giving it to him three years in a row no do I think the numbers will be there and the performance will be there yes absolutely but when I'm thinking about the Western Conference and the top teams I'm still thinking about Golden State and I'm thinking about the Clippers before I think about the Denver Nuggets so look that's what we do the previews for you know so, but yeah. to me, to me, Denver. Look, I like the starting lineup. I just think they're a little thin at the at the bent uh, with their depth all around compared to some other teams. That's all it comes down to for me. Yeah, I'm I'm like higher than Shen. I'm probably closer to Pete. Like, I don't know that they're NBA champion, Pat, but like, I'm super high on the Nuggets. They're another team I got some money invested in at like a fifty plus win type team. Um, Mike quickly, like just my concern with, uh, Porter jr. Is like what Mark said, like I've heard stuff about his medical where they're like, we've never seen this before. Like that stuff is scary, dude. That is legit scary. But Jamal Murray, dude, 18 months, you get to come back from an ACL surgery. That is big deal, dude. He is going to be mentally there and feeling confident in his knee. That's a really big thing for guys who come back nine, 10 months and it's a little too soon. And in their head, it's part of like how they play. Like, He's gotten more than enough time to recover, more than enough time to practice. He's played in the uh, preseason with them. He's looked good in the preseason from what I've seen so far. And you mentioned a guy like Bruce Brown as a guy who watched so much Nets basketball. When Jokic kicks it to him, whether he's going to make it or not, he's not going to be afraid to take it. KCP is not going to be afraid to take it. That team is primed for right now. Jokic, I think, is – one, two with Giannis. I don't care how you want to put him. And Embiid's probably three, but I'm as high on Jokic as you are, I think. That team is ready for a run. And I, I you know, Pat, you kind of had me ready to run through a brick wall because I got money on them too. And I'm like, let's go all in. Russell Wilson voice, let's ride. <laughs> the, the, Denver- the, one, the one team that uh, is going to carry Denver this year. <laughs> yes, right. Damn sure wasn't the Rockies. You start uh, saying Nuggets country, I'm out. <laughs> Nuggets country. That doesn't sound right. That sounds that sounds like a pause moment right there. Uh, their depth is serious. I love the Nuggets. Mark, why don't you talk about the Clippers a little bit? Because they're a team as well that there's reason to be excited, but there's reason to have pause because of the injuries and what they basically haven't done. Not what they have done, what they haven't done in years past. This is now year four of Kawhi and Paul George in Los Angeles. It feels insane to say that, but the accomplishments have not been stacking up why are you feeling positively about the Clippers? Unless you, you are feeling positively, right? Um, yeah, Pete. You know, as big as you are on Jokic, that's about as big as I am on Kawhi Leonard. Um, I know he's coming off the major knee injury, same as same as Jamal Murray, and there could be some rust here to start out. That's why I don't think they will be the number one seed in the West, but I do think they will be one of the top contenders when it's, when it's all said and done. Um, and it's not just because of Kawhi Leonard. Look, this team is loaded. Um, you're looking at a guy like Terrence Mann, who may be 10th in this in this rotation. They've added John Wall, who was definitely good enough to play last year, but the Rockets, you know, sent him home because they wanted to develop talent. Um, you still got Paul George. You've got Reggie Jackson. You've got one of the Morris twins. Uh, and then on the bench, you got a scorer that can shoot the lights out with Norm Powell, Luke Kennard. And like I said, and you got Covington, too, coming off the bench for this team. So... In terms of depth and in terms of star power and in terms of defense, this team has it all. They're top-notch. Um, and I'm just very interested to see where they're going to be at going into this season. So that's where I'm at I, with you, boys. 
Yeah, with the Clippers, they're the type of team that I almost want to wait until the playoffs to start backing them because I think they're likely going to be the type of team that doesn't care about getting 54 wins, right? They're going to be fine with their 48 wins as long as they're a top six seed. They want to avoid the play-in by all means. That might take 49, 50 wins this year, though. That's why when I'm thinking about them and they're over-under set at 52 and a half, I don't see why they're two and a half or two games higher than the Nuggets in that regard, because the Nuggets are going to be primed to be healthy and attack the regular season where Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, what are they going to combine for 120 games? Like Kawhi hasn't played over 60 games since he was a San Antonio Spur, right? He played 74 in 2016, 17, then only nine in that really weird season played 60 for Toronto, 57, 52. And then last year, a big zero with the ACL injury. So if Kawhi's playing 55 games, if Paul George gets hurt, which he does seemingly every year, and he plays 55 or 60 games, is that depth enough to carry them to 53 wins? I don't know. That's why they're an under to me. But if they're healthy going into the playoffs, they are and should be looked at as a top two contender in the Western Conference. I think a healthy Clippers can beat the the Warriors, the Suns, the Nuggets, whoever you line up against them, they are that good. From a regular season perspective, I'm either staying away or taking the under just because I don't trust their stars to be there consistently enough to rack up 53 to 56 wins. So yeah, Clippers. How about that? Uh, so that moves us to the final team that I'm going to shout out. Then we'll talk about some of the other teams that we didn't talk about. I want to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves obviously made a trade that was kind of a laughingstock moment for the franchise, trading for Rudy Gobert, giving up 900 picks. We all know how much crap that the Timberwolves received from the media and fans alike after that trade. But if you just look at who they have on their team, man, are they pretty freaking good. I talked about Cade Cunningham as a guy who I can imagine in the top 15 of the NBA after this season. Anthony Edwards has been knocking at that door for a full year already, right? So I think of those two guys as two of the futures of the NBA. And with Rudy Gobert being a solidifying force, I think regular season, I can easily see them being better than the Los Angeles Clippers because of what they have on their roster. Love Jaden McDaniels as their fifth guy, but their top four is Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and D'Angelo Russell. I mean, if, D, if anybody needed Rudy Gobert in their team in the league, it's D'Angelo Russell. That guy doesn't always defend. When he does, he can be okay with the size that he has. His passing is really good. His shooting, we know what he can do as a shot maker. But Gobert is a floor raiser and possibly the best one in the NBA. And that's because I'm not counting ceiling raisers as floor raisers. Obviously, Giannis is just as much a floor raiser as, as anybody, but I'm counting him as a ceiling raiser. If we're talking about just floors, Rudy Gobert does it. At every single turn, every night, every night setting screens, protecting the rim. Carlton e. Towns put him on the list as people who need a Rudy Gobert next to him. Towns is not going to have to worry about protecting the rim. He's going to be guarding the second best big, attacking the glass, racking up rebounds, and being the offensive stud that we know him to be. I think this team in the regular season can be a juggernaut when it comes to the playoffs. I do not have the faith in them. I don't know if Rudy Gobert is going to be a big part of that rotation when it comes to that time, but regular season, Ant Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, that's about as strong as a trio as you have in the NBA on both sides of the ball. Obviously with Edwards and Towns being offensive guys 
and Gobert locking up the defense. 49 and a half, probably properly placed for them. I, I don't know if I see them getting to 50-51. I think they are a 48-49 win team, so I'm probably not going to touch the over-under. But then you start talking about their playoff and play-in odds, and it gets really, really interesting. I think the Timberwolves will be very fun this year. They're not going to come up small. They're going to be a team that I expect in the playoffs. And right now, to make the playoffs, they're sitting at um, minus 300, which is Vegas telling us something that they think the Timberwolves are going to be good enough to probably make that top six. And that is something I can get behind. Obviously, I'm not getting behind minus 300. There's no point in that. But, man, this team is very, very solid. I'm excited to see how they put it together. What are your guys' thoughts on the Timberwolves with the Gobert edition and, and some of the other pieces that they've put together? I guess I'll go. Um, I'm excited about the two bigs, Pete, because it seems that they're going to try and do it from the other way that the league's been trending with, you know, three ball, three ball, three ball. Um, I prefer to see the defense and, you know, the ball being worked around and sort of the old school NBA where games would be, you know, 90 to 85 in the big games that matter and not 135 to 126. Why I came up with those numbers, I have no idea. It's 1045 at night. My head's probably somewhere else right now. But I'm just kidding. Um, look, it's very intriguing. And, you know, another another year for Edwards to develop. You've still got D'Angelo Russell running the show. Um, and it's just a team you, re you really got to like because I felt like defensively was where they lacked last year. And you add in a multi-time defensive player of the year and a guy who could score the ball too. So he's actually one of the few big men who can shoot free throws, so you can't hack a shack him either. So a lot to like about the Timberwolves going into this year. I think the hype is rightly placed. I think when it comes to Minnesota, they were just a stupid team last year. I remember Chuck saying it a ton. They're a team dumb as rocks. But, uh, I mean, that was that was – it was true. I mean, they melted down in key situations. Chris Finch at times looked like he was a genius. At other times looked like he had never coached a game in his life. Um, I, I think the X factor for them is obviously Anthony Edwards. I mean, remember, he's 21 years old. I think this guy, you know, you talk about top 15 with Kate Cunningham. I think Anthony Edwards has the potential to be a top 10 player in the NBA within two years. And I think this year is imperative for him to take that next big step forward be a guy that's averaging 26, 27 points per game. I think he has the potential and the talent to be there um, and just solidify his shooting from outside. Uh, if he could be consistent, you know, we know he can go off for 40 points every given, any given night, but can he consistently get to 25, 26 and shoot 45, close to 50% from the field and have a respectable three-point shooting percentage? Um, you know, he's he's one of the most electric players that that, that in all of basketball, so – if Minnesota is going to have any success, Anthony Edwards has to take the next big step. Yeah, I'll try to be quick because I'm sure we're going over our time. But as much as I can't stand Rudy Gobert, and I can't stand him, I think he's the worst good player, and I'm air quoting those of you listening, uh, in the league. He's the perfect fit to go alongside Cat, whose obvious defect is defense, right? Like, Cat's a scoring machine, man. Like, he really is. He can put the ball in the bucket. And we know what we talked about with Anthony Edwards. And I love when you brought up Cade Cunningham, you brought up Anthony Edwards alongside him because those two might be, you know, neck and neck for years to come in the league. So they're intriguing. I think they're a slight under at 49 and a half. Um, I wouldn't be, I would actually be surprised if they do win 50 games because the West is kind of a juggernaut. But as much as they gave up for Rudy, it was too much in my opinion. 
it did help the team and they're a team that went for it. And I always respect a team that's at least going to try. So give it a shot. Yeah. Full send, full send in Minnesota. You got to appreciate that. I, I almost naturally said Minnesota with the like Minnesota accent, Minnesota. Uh, I, that was an accident, but plus one thirty five to make the play in. I think that's a great consolation. If you're going to take their over, you might as well sprinkle the plus one thirty five on the play in. Cause if that over doesn't hit, you can feel really good that the under is not going to be a tanking under where all of a sudden they're winning 39 games and they're not sniffing the play-in. This team's floor is 45 to me. I think they're going to be between 45 and 49, maybe 45 and and 50, and maybe just touch that over. But this team's easily going to be in the play-in at minimum. And wow, what an upgrade for this franchise after winning 46 games last year and being a disaster outside of a Jimmy Butler season before that where they've been in no man's land. They have an identity now. And if it comes to fruition, they could be a top six seed in this conference. However, there are some really good teams out there. So let's talk about some of the other top teams in the Western conference and go around the horn again, quickly to talk about our favorite team, our number one team, Pat, you already mentioned the nuggets as your number one team in the West. Is there another team that you want to shout that you maybe think is going to be second or that you just want to specifically give props to who's going to be uh, you know, a true contender in the Western Conference? Oh, yeah, I mean, I think we'd be doing ourselves a great disservice, obviously, if we didn't mention the Golden State Warriors, right? Defending champs, um, not going anywhere anytime soon as long as they have those core four guys. I don't give a shit. I'm not even going to bring up uh, Draymond sucker-punching Jordan Poole. And I'm not really much of a sucker-punch. When you push a guy, you're basically engaging in a fight. <laughs> but to me, that doesn't matter worth squat. Uh, you know, I think – I should say the core five – um, I think this team is has the potential to run it back once again and win another title. So, you know, again, anytime you're, you're running out a team that involves Steph Curry, that involves Draymond Green, that involves, excuse me, Jordan Poole, who, again, if he takes another step forward, look out, uh, and then Clay and Wiggins. I mean, you know, that they've got probably the best starting five in all of basketball. Um, so much to the point where, again, they were bringing Steph off the bench to begin the playoffs last year. Guys that, you know, just because I, I don't need to tell everybody here about the starting five. They know how good they are. But guys that could take a big step forward for them this year, new additions, Dante DiVincenzo could be a nice 3 and D guy for them off the bench. He could be that, you know, when, you, when you're getting down the stretch <clears throat> in the Western Conference Finals, or is the second unit for Golden State going to make the difference? Jonathan Kaminga, who I think has all the athleticism in the world, can he actually shoot the ball? Uh, we'll see about that. And, and then, you know, just role player guys like Moses Moody. James Wiseman, who we've been hearing about now for three years, if he takes a big step forward and can stay healthy, I mean, my goodness, dude, they're going to win 60 to 65 games. Um, so they're obviously that great. Uh, but, you know, I, how can I say that when I've given so much love to the Denver Nuggets? Um, you know, for whatever reason, I think you might experience a little bit of a championship hangover. I think there's going to be some times where, you know, they're going to treat injuries very gingerly. They're going to treat them very conservatively. They know it's all about April for this team, but obviously got to give credit to Golden State. Cody, did Pat Steer Thunder perhaps with the Warriors pick there? No, I mean, I, I'm like Pat. I've got the Nuggets as the one seed this year. I was trying to look to find a way to parlay the Nuggets and the Bucks as the one seed, but I don't think that came up. If it does, uh, don't tell me. I've put enough money into this already. <laughs> um, but quickly, I, I think the Grizzlies are kind of flying under the radar. That team was really, really good last year, and there's no reason to think they won't be back there. I think Triple J just got to stay healthy, and that team's got a kind of a sky's the limit type feel. They're still young. Um, 
I think Phoenix takes a step backwards this year. I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. Jay Crowder leaves for nothing. The big thing is, like, it's not like, oh, Jay Crowder, now we're done. Now Cam Johnson gets thrust into a starter's role. You lost a little depth there. They've got internal issues with the governor or owner. I don't know which one you're allowed to say it these days. Um, so I think Phoenix takes a step back. And I'm a little bit high on the Kings as, like, a team to just kind of maybe sneak their way into the play-in or at least go over their win total. Yeah, Kings are frisky. And uh, what I have up on YouTube right now, if you're watching along, is the Western Conference Championship winners, so it's not the number one seed odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Grizzlies, man, regular season juggernaut as well, right? They're a young team with energy who are not going to take injuries as gingerly as the Warriors will, and they're going to be out for blood. I mean, John Morant missed 20 games last year, and they won 18 of them. Like, Are you kidding me? This, this team's full, and they got depth. The Grizzlies are a great bet for a number one seed. And I think that pretty much covers the realistic options for the one seed. Mark, anyone else that you want to mention here, or is that pretty much cover the one seed opportunities for you? No, it's, it's golden state for me, Pete. And for all the reasons that Pat mentioned, I honestly think he started to second guess himself and talk himself into the warriors repeating his champs rather than the nuggets with the, uh, all the excellent points he laid out before me. But, uh, Look, you want to talk – I talked about the Clippers' depth. The only team that matches that depth or has a little bit more than that depth are the Golden State Warriors. Um, strength in numbers is, is not a joke. You know, this team is 10 to 11 deep and could possibly even be even more because, you know, you got guys like Kuminga and Moody who probably would start for a lot of NBA teams or be given that chance to start for a lot of NBA teams, and these guys aren't even going to be playing heavy. Kuminga may work his way and play, like, heavier minutes per se – but they're not going to be playing like 30 minutes a game, guys. Those guys aren't, you know, and it's it's crazy to say that. And then you're probably bringing Wiseman off the bench as well, which is unbelievable. So, yeah, look, it's Golden State until somebody knocks them off to me. They they, they were hit with injuries the past couple of years, but prevented them from, from going as far as they normally do. Um, and now that everybody's back and healthy, look, you saw what happened last year. And I think not just this year, but to me, they got to be the favorites for the next couple of years with the guys that they have. Because even if some guys take a step back, like I said, you got Kuminga, you've got Moody, you got Wiseman waiting in the wings to take a step up and carry carry any slack that's left from the guys currently in the starting lineup. So, yeah. And Jordan Poole, another, another lead for Jordan Poole is possibly in the works here. Uh, quickly, we haven't mentioned the Lakers. Thank God. I'm just sick of talking about them, you know. We know the story. If Anthony Davis is healthy, they can be a very good team. If Anthony Davis isn't healthy, they can be a very bad team. That is the story. That is it. Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook. We know. We get it. We don't want to talk about it anymore. Whatever. The Dallas Mavericks, we didn't mention Luka Doncic is that guy. He is him. He's a top five player in the NBA and not a top five, top 15 player in the NBA. He's a top five player, legitimate top five player, Luka Doncic. He'll carry his team almost no matter what to a playoff. So I expect nothing less, but he's not a number one seed or I should say the Mavericks aren't a one seed. Um, also, the Blazers meddling, whatever. Cody, do you want to give us 30 seconds on your Oklahoma City Thunder? Is it is it boom? Is it bust for Wembenyama? Hey, yeah, it's, it's once Chet went down, it's strictly let's try and tank the season. Like SGA will probably be out with an undisclosed injury by February. Um, anyone else who's playing well, Giddy might you know also have a, an illness, like a non-COVID illness that'll take him out for three months. And hopefully they win under 20 games. Like I was excited to watch them truly with Chet this year because I really do like Giddy. I love SGA. He's got to be like having the toughest time of any like star in the league. Like he's got like three, four years wasted. 
But, you know, a guy can dream. You think about that lineup, if they did get Victor, standing next to Chet with Giddy, Shea, and the Dorcher Chamber. Yes. Put him right at the top. Love it. I love, love how Cody's be, like, be, yeah, just – just tank the just tank the season. <laughs> yeah, just give give SGA you know an undisclosed injury, give Giddy an illness that lasts three months. Let's try to win nineteen I mean, games. I mean, I'm more concerned with with who's going to be you know the you're going to have a lot of teams fearful of that stacked towers, those towers of Wembenyama and Holmgren. I mean, who's going to want to bang with them down low? And poker, you know what are they? Two hundred <laughs> pounds combined. I was going to say, is that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> three hundred with poker, dude. <laughs> that's that's great uh thunder would be so exciting if they were trying to win which they might there's a chance they might i don't know you can't really count it out until sga gets the undisclosed injury because if he's yeah. playing they're competitive it's just what it is he's that good i love mm-hmm. sga as well um all right western conference that's pretty much it we'll take a quick break and we'll talk about the knicks and the nets so let's do that stand clear of the closing doors please Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Cody O'Connor, Pat Boyle. We did the whole Eastern Conference, the whole Western Conference, but we have to spend some specific time on the New York Knicks, New York Knicks, and the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to talk about them specifically. Obviously, they were brought up in passing in the Eastern Conference preview. If you're listening on the podcast app, you heard that. If you're on YouTube, you didn't see it, go check it out. If you're on YouTube here, watch this too. All right, New York Knicks. Let's start off there because they are in a very weird spot here with uh, the Eastern Conference being as good as it is and both of these conferences really being as good as they both are. This season in the NBA will be a testament of the talent across the league. Some people, many people believe the New York Knicks got better. I think I might be one of them. I am one of them. We'll talk about it. However, 38 and a half on the over-under for the New York Knicks and a very, very hard course to find themselves in the playoffs let alone the play in. So Pat Boyle, why don't, why don't you just kick it off for us with the New York Knicks here? What is your general outlook on this season heading in based off the off season, based off the expectation that you have now starting their first game Wednesday night with some new pieces, with some excitement, but with a still uphill battle to get to where they want to be. I think they got themselves a point card. I think that was the biggest thing in the offseason. They basically operated most of the season last year, especially when D. Rose was hurt without a point guard, to the point where it was kind of half Julius Randle running the offense, which ended up being a disaster, and half R.J. running the offense, which he could be the primary ball handler. He could be the guy that is the focal point, but he can't be the point guard. He can't be the point guard every possession. So they were missing that in in the most critical way, and I think that was the biggest reason for their failures last year. They have that now in Jalen Brunson. And I, I'm hearing a lot of people saying, oh, well, Brunson's never going to be the guy because he doesn't have Luka next to him. He can't create space for himself. He can't shoot three. He doesn't have to. He has to take care of the basketball. He's got to limit the turnovers. And he has to play within Tibbs' system, which I know isn't sexy at times, but Tibbs says it over and over. Find the open guy. Just find the open guy, right? We don't need to have pick and rolls all over the place. We don't need to have guys you know, creating one-on-ones for themselves. We saw Randall do it enough last year. We've seen plenty of it. Uh, if they could just swing the basketball, pass it well, pass it with intent, and, and Brunson is the guy that is keeping that together, that is the guy that is gelling with the offense, he's the one leading the charge. This offense not going to be sexy, but it's going to be efficient. They've got enough talent. They've got enough shooters. And if Brunson is the one running the offense 
and he, he does it anywhere near the level he was doing it with Dallas, Duke, Luca or not, this offense is going to be fine. This offense is going to be good. Is Evan Fournier just a total bust? Hopefully not. You know, we, he still has some moments where, you know, he lights up the Boston Celtics every time he plays them. Um, I'm expecting a huge step forward for Q, for Quentin Grimes. Quickly, I, I, I thought Quick was really going to have a bright future. I'm not so sure on him. I think he could be a trade piece at one point or another this year. I think Cam Reddish could be a trade piece um, at one point or another this year. Who the hell knows, you know, what kind of trade that brings. Um, but just like you said, they absolutely got better. This offense got better. And I think this New York Knicks team, uh, when you look at their win total, 38 and a half, I think it's a touch low. I think they can be a 44 win team this year. 44 and 38, I don't think is crazy. I think they can absolutely, they're absolutely going to be in the playing tournament. This is going to be a step forward. They're not where they need to be yet. They're still one piece away, but I'm glad, honestly, and I say this truthfully, I'm glad that it worked out that they didn't give up the farm for Donovan Mitchell because I'd rather them get their point guard and be one step closer to making the next move. And I think this year is going to go a whole lot better than last year. Uh, I have a lot of quiet optimism within this team. I'm not expecting crazy things, expecting 44 wins. I don't think that's nearly out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah. I don't think a sneaky four seed is in the table on the, or on the table. Nothing's, Nothing's in a table. Uh, on the table for the Knicks, I don't think that's there. I think uh, Quinton Grimes, obviously starting off with the foot injury, will be a little bit tough because he's going to be such a big part of this team, in my opinion. Somebody who I think could, maybe should take that two-guard spot from Fournier in the starting lineup because Fournier, if he accepted it, would be much better as a bench piece. But that's to be seen with Tibbs as the coach and Grimes' health right now. But, Cody, before I go on further, what are your thoughts on Pat's take and your general stance here on the Knicks? Yeah, I I agree that that they definitely got better. Last year they ended up at the 11 seed, correct? They just missed the play-in. Like, they're going to improve. I see them as a team cemented for the play-in. I don't really think they can get themselves into that top six because we kind of went through that list, and I think those teams are better than them straight up. I think they're more of an 8-9 seed. And I see them as something like a 42 and 40 type team. I have to pose the question, is this going to be the very first time that the top three scorers of a team are all lefty? Because I've never seen that before. I I can't recall ever seeing something like that. But in all seriousness, you bring over Jalen Brunson. I think that takes a lot of the pressure, like Pat said, off of Randall to not have to do everything or at least not have to feel like he has to do everything. You're not going to see, in my opinion, the two years ago, Randall, that, that was an all NBA guy. But I think you're going to see a much better Julius Randle this year where he doesn't feel like everything's on him because I don't think he is him, as we've talked about, with like a Luka or a or a Jokic. So I think they're a better team. My money has them in the play-in. I shopped it around, sorry, DraftKings, but I got it at plus 125 elsewhere. Um, but I do have the Knicks as a play-in team because I think there's four teams that you can clearly cut out of this conference, and I think it's the Pacers – the Magic, I hope I'm not going to miss them. I don't think it's necessarily the Pistons as like a clear-cut miss, but there's two more. It's not that important. The point is I see them as like an 8 to 10 seed in the play-in, a step up from last year. I agree. I think it would have been a big mistake to give up a guy like RJ because he just kind of keeps getting better, man. He looks like a guy that he's a, a Russell Westbrook mid you know, uh, mid-range jump shot and the Russell Westbrook that was good, not the one we're seeing right now, that mid-range jump shot because he's blowing by guys. He finishes at the rim. He's getting better every single year. And all you hear is he's a guy who works his butt off. So keep working, RJ. Keep improving. Good on them to not give that up. 
people didn't like them getting Jalen Brunson for $100 million. Well, in two years, the cap's going to go up, and that's not going to matter at all. That's going to be like a mid-level contract. So I think they made good moves. I think they improved. I see them as a play-in. And to me, if you're a Knicks fan, you take that 10 out of 10 times. I don't want to reiterate everything you guys said, but I do agree uh, with a lot of it. I do want to mention about Julius Randle. One thing that he said in the preseason here that I loved is that he thought this, this is more of his words and I'm paraphrasing, but he thought he knew what leading was after that season where he went off and was an all NBA player. And then he realized after last year that he didn't know what leading was because he wasn't that same guy when their backs were against the wall or when, you know, their face was in the sand and and they weren't the team they were the year prior and his numbers weren't the same. I think that's a true sign of maturity. And I think him mending his relationship with Knicks fans is going to be important. And now with Jalen Brunson, it's going to be a split, I think on Knicks fans and, and Cody as like a non Knicks fan who just is a New Yorker who pays attention a lot to the team. You know, you might be able to see this more unbiased. I think there's going to be a lot of Knicks fans who love what he does and see him get to the rim and do the little fade away from the elbow and whatnot. It's going to be great. And they're going to love him. I think there's going to be a lot of Knicks fans who see 18 points per game and say, we paid for this 18 point a game guy. He only gets four assists a game. What is this point guard? That's not the point guard. I right. Like that. I can hear Knicks fans right now already complaining about a guy who is exactly who we thought he was in a good way. Right. So I think there's going to be a lot of fans who think of that positively and some fans who don't see enough because they have this idea of them getting an all-star guard. There is absolutely no guarantee that this team has an all-star on it. There's none, no guarantee at all, because it might be Brunson, Randall, and Barrett all at 18, 19 points a game, and that might be the best thing for the team. It won't be the best thing for the box office and for the all-star votes. So I think the Brunson crowd is going to be split, and I think that's okay because he can handle it. And then the depth is going to be what has to make them good Last year, Pat and I actually were on a podcast. I just ran into this video trying to clean up my damn folders here because I am always running out of space on all my hard drives um, where it was early in the season. The Knicks were looking pretty good. I think they were, you know, maybe three games above 500 in the first like six games or something like that, whatever it was. And I said, this team's about depth. This team's strength is in the depth. And then it turned out that Derek Rose got hurt. Mitchell Robinson was banged up. Julius Randle wasn't good. Uh, quickly didn't take the step and all of a sudden what was their strength became their weakness because the depth was gone. The pieces that were important were inserted to the starting lineup, given bigger roles, and it wasn't good. This year with what they have now is way more solid. Even with guys like Miles McBride, who's going to be a, a deep bench piece now, if he's all of a sudden because of injury, the backup point guard, I'm fine with that. I'm very fine with that. And, and same thing with even a guy like Svee Mikhailuk who made the roster wasn't expected. He's a knockdown shooter, can bring something to the table. Jericho Sims as well. They don't have weak points on this team. The loss of Alec Burks, the loss of Nerlens Noel, that's not going to bother them because of Isaiah Hartenstein as well. Someone we haven't mentioned here who's a much better offensive player than probably even Mitchell Robinson as well. I think Knicks fans are going to love Hartenstein, and I can see them both in the 20 to 30-minute range per game. That's going to be a positive for this Knicks team. So, again, you look at the Eastern Conference, and you could clearly count a bunch of teams that are better than the Knicks. You go through it. The Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Heat, the, uh, uh, and the Raptors. That's five teams right there that I will guarantee, guarantee, are better than the New York Knicks. That's five teams that I'm locking in. Then you talk about the Nets, the Hawks, the Cavs. Those teams are probably better too. 
that only leaves uh, two or three spots left in the play-in tournament. That's where they have to be. If they're not there, it's a massive disappointment because they have to be better than Washington, Indiana, Orlando, and Charlotte. Detroit's in that swing range where I think they can make a big-time jump, as I mentioned before. But to me, the Knicks can clearly lock themselves into that nine spot. It doesn't sound sexy, but that nine spot last year was a 44-win team. Like you said, Pat, that might be what it takes, and you can't be much less because then you're not looking at a play-in berth either. So I don't think it's even a shoe-in for them to be in the play-in, but if I were a betting man, which you know that I am, I would bet for this team to be in the play-in tournament because of the depth, because of the solidarity. Solidarity? No, that's not the right word. The solidifying nature that Brunson will bring to the point guard position and Barrett just getting better and better. This team's going to be fun. They're not going to be sexy, Pat. Like you said, they are a play-in team through and through. That. What are the odds on that, Cody? What did you say? I got it at plus 125. Yeah, and I'm seeing here on DraftKings, it's plus 105. So, you know, go grab the better odds, personally, or whatever, whatever. DraftKings ain't listening minute 30, uh, hour 30 here on the podcast. So, it, it's all good. Um, that's who they are. That's the New York Knicks story this season. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. No. All right. Awesome. New York Knicks can't freaking wait. It's going to be fun. It just won't be a top five seed or a six seed for that matter. All right. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets, even though Mark Shenlugan is sleepy and he had to leave us and uh, he has work in the morning. Don't we all? Don't we all, Mark Shenlugan? I hope you listen to this. Now I'm throwing shade again when you're not here. My favorite thing to do on the podcast. The Brooklyn Nets are the weirdest team in the NBA. Perhaps. I mean, the Lakers give them a run for their money in that category, but but the Nets, man, they got freaking talent. And before we get into Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I just got to say this, guys, so you can react. Ben Simmons is good at basketball. I'm saying it. I'm just going to put that out there. Ben Simmons is a good basketball player who positively impacts his team when he's on the court. I don't care about free throws. I don't care about what he did in that Atlanta Hawks series. He's a weird guy, kind of, but he's freaking good at what he does. He's amazing in transition on offense. He's an incredible defender, probably top five to 10 in the league as a defender. And something that the Brooklyn Nets lacked wholeheartedly last year was pushing the ball on offense in transition because Kevin Durant is awesome in transition if he has a running mate. And defense was an issue with this team last year as well. If Joe Harris comes back healthy, Seth Curry is another great shooter on this team. Patty Mills and Cam Thomas can do it. That team is built for Ben Simmons. I am putting my chips in. I'm putting it on the table. And Ben Simmons is good at basketball. Does anybody have anything to say? On paper, Pete, the Nets adding Ben Simmons made so much sense last year. And it sucks that he never played for them. I'm glad we're actually going to get to see it this year because – there was no team I watched more than Brooklyn last year. And when they added Ben Simmons and subtracted James Harden, I'm like, yeah, he makes perfect sense. They needed an extra defender. They need a guy to push the break, like you just said. And I think actually Ben Simmons is the number one defender in the NBA when he's right, when he's healthy. He is as versatile as it comes. He could guard one through five. He's strong enough to guard a Giannis. He's quick enough to guard a Kyrie Irving, even though he doesn't have to do that, obviously. I'm not going to sit here and and harp on these question marks that are the Brooklyn Nets. Like, that's what they are. They're a question mark team. But, you know, like I said, game's not played on paper. 
I was waiting to get this in. If it was, my Giants would not be 5-1. and one. We see what that roster looks like. I was hoping Shen was here when I said it, but it's fine. He can listen later. But, like, Brooklyn's prime. They have the, they have the talent. They have the guys around them. They have a superstar Kevin Durant. Is Kyrie Irving going to play, or is he going to take more PTO than the rest of America again? That's Again, it's like that's what their question marks are. They are there together. If they play, if they're on the court, basketball-wise, it makes so much sense. Ben Simmons is a, such a good ad for them. He hides a lot of their defects. I like Nick Claxton a lot. I think I like him a little more than most people do, and he kind of has gotten a better. He's gotten a little bit more of a touch around the rim. Pat's shaking his head. No, he'll get his chance in a minute. But they've got a dead-eye shooter in Steph Curry, in Seth Curry. they got Joe Harris coming back, dead-eye shooter. You could put Kevin Durant as a dead-eye shooter. His numbers through his career show that. They've got the scoring. I think Ben Simmons brings the spacing. You don't have to harp on what he doesn't do. What he does do is perfect for this team, and I'm so excited we get to see it. At least I hope, I think. We're going to drop this tomorrow. The Nets play tomorrow. None of them could be playing by the time this comes out. Like, we just don't know what that team. Yeah, I, I just – I think the Nets are a walking disaster once again this year. I think what can go wrong will go wrong with this team. I don't think anything has changed with the mental and the, you know, chemistry makeup of that that is – leading the front charge for this team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons. Let's start with Kyrie, because like you said it, what's the excuse going to be this year? He will find an excuse. He will find a way to step away from the team. He's done it for the last three years. He will find a way to do it again, I guarantee you. Then when it comes to KD, I I think Kevin Durant has reached his peak. And I don't think that's obvious. I think that's obvious to a lot of people here. Kevin Durant reached his peak a couple of years ago, and I think it's going to be a steady decline from here on out. Now, is he still a top five player in the NBA? Probably. But I think he's very close to slipping out of that, and I think after this season, that's going to be a definitive statement. Um, Kevin Durant still can have nights where he can single-handedly drop 50 and win a game, but I think the, the inconsistency is going to start to, to, you know, to sink in there. Um, And then let's talk about Ben Simmons. Yes, he makes this defense a world better, which it was terrible at times last year, the last two years. Um, But again, is this a guy that you need him to handle the ball? You need him to be on the perimeter running the offense. And when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant demand the ball as much as they do, how is that going to work as an offense? How is that going to work with the spacing? And how is that going to affect on, on Ben Simmons' mental health Uh, I'm not even joking around there. I think if he feels like he is once again slipping out of the plans with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving leading the charge, I just, I I don't think this team's going to mesh well. Um, I think this is the the bed that Joe Sy and Sean Marks and Kevin Durant, most importantly, and Kyrie Irving's built. Now they've got to sleep in it, and it's not going to be a comfortable sleep here over the next eight months. I think this six months, I should say. Um, I would not be surprised if you have pieces off this team by the end of this year. Even if they all do stay together, you know, again, Joe Harris coming back. Great. He's not in his 20s anymore. He's getting older by the minute. Um, you know, you're basically going to rely on him, I think, this year to essentially just knock down shots. Um, another guy that's coming off of an injury for them. Um, I had my notes written down here. Um, excuse me, Josh. Seth Curry. Seth Curry also coming off of the injury as well. Um, he's, you know, a nice piece for them off the bench. I think he was thrust into a bigger position than he had to be last year, and I don't think he's all that talented. 
um, to the point where, you know, this is a team that's going to win 50 games this year. This is a team that's going to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, again, call it Nets hate as a Knicks fan, if you will. But everything I've said so far to you guys on this podcast over the last two, three years has rang true. And I don't think it's getting any better. This team's not winning a title this year. Um, and this is to be this was the beginning of the end was last year. Uh, this is going to be the continuation of the beginning of the end for the Brooklyn Nets as we know it this season. 50 and a half is their number. 50 and a half. Um, I think Ben Simmons helps the 50 and a half. I don't know if he helps the Eastern Conference Championship odds, right? It's kind of a Rudy Gobert situation. Ben Simmons, his entire career in Philadelphia was a huge floor raiser for the Sixers. He was so good for them. He was an all-NBA level player. And I think he could do similarly for the Nets in the regular season. What happens in the playoffs is going to fall more on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, 100%. But he will have to play a role. And that's why it's a question mark when it comes to playoff time. So, Pat, it's hard to argue with some of the stuff that you said. I'm just, I guess I'm giving the optimist view. I guess Cody is too. I mean, Cody put a little bit more question marks in there. But I'm looking at this roster. And last year, I thought they had depth. They turned out to have no depth and were playing with scraps for most of the year. This year, you know, they bring in a Markeith Morris, who I don't love. They have TJ Warren, who hasn't played basketball in two years. It could be, it could be interesting. But the guard situation, if Kyrie Irving goes out, is so much better this year than it was last year, right? If Kyrie misses 25 games this year, which is likely because he missed 25 games every freaking year, like Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Cam Thomas, and Ben Simmons as your point guard is way better than just Patty Mills and Cam Thomas and Seth Curry. So then you, you bump up some of the other guys into different positions and, and defensively, you don't lose anything, right? So I think from a regular season perspective, Ben Simmons really raises their floor. And last year with all the debauchery, with all the BS, this team won 44 games. They made the play in. They, they made the playoffs after winning their play-in games and they got swept in a series against the Celtics that people forget was much, much closer than most sweeps are. A lot of those games hung in the balance late into the fourth quarter and a couple shots here and there, it could have been a very different series. I'm not saying they should have won it, but it could have been a six-game series easily, and it would have made us feel more respectable about them. It doesn't matter. It's a new team. It's a new season. I'm pro Brooklyn Nets. I think they get to 51-52 wins, not betting it because all the things that Pat said are very, very possible, but I'm going optimist view. I'm going pro Ben Simmons, and I'm saying the Nets are going to be successful this year in the regular season. You know, and really quickly, too, just to answer Cody about Nick Claxton, I mean, he's a waste of space more, more of the times than he is a productive player on the floor for them. That's a guy that has a lot of talent, has a lot of potential. And that's why it's so frustrating to watch a 23-year-old basically make no steps forward, in my opinion, outside of, you know, just getting more free dunks underneath the basket. Um, at times, he does nothing for the offense. He is a guy that is a virtual non-threat outside of 10 feet. Um, and his defense, you would think that, you know, after averaging, you know, 1.3 blocks two years ago, that he would have taken a step forward. He took a step back, in my opinion, watching him uh, the way that he defends at the rim. He gets taken advantage of a lot. He's, he's very clumsy with the way that he gets out to the perimeter. He can't defend at the perimeter, in my opinion, uh, from what I've seen. So to me, Nick Claxton has been a, a disappointment in my, in my eyes over the last couple of years. Cam Thomas, another guy, I thought this guy was, was on pace to, you know, crack double digits uh, points per game easily. And then just kind of fell out of the plans, even when things went haywire. Um, and, and his play kind of resembled that. I mean, there were, there was times where he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat from deep from three. He only shot 27% for the season. 
And I thought that was a kid that had a very, very bright future. Maybe that's harsh of me coming off his rookie season. He takes a big step forward this year. Uh, but I think they have a lot of guys that they signed to in this year and, you know, made offseason additions. Markeith Morris, he's a veteran. Does he really do anything for this team? Is he going to be playing meaningful minutes come April? No. Maybe Roy- that's a problem. <laughs> Royce O'Neal was the big offseason acquisition. And, and to me, Underrated. I, I don't think so. I, I disagree, Pete. I, I think that Royce O'Neal um, is a guy that, you know, has had ample opportunities to take big steps forward with Utah over the last couple of years. Yes, he's a solid defender, but he's had ample opportunities to take steps forward offensively and refuses to do that. His free throw percentage after he shot 85% last year, I'm like, all right, awesome. This guy can get to the rim. He can get easy points. No, his percentage dropped down. Um, his field goal percentage slightly got a little bit better, but for the most part, his he's been the same exact player for the last three, four years, which is a slight uptick in defense. Um, so you have him as well. And, you know, other guys, Patty Mills, you know, congrats, like, for sticking around. But Patty Mills had way too many games last year where it's 0 for 7 from deep, and he's just a total non-factor. Um, yeah. So I'm not expecting a whole lot out of the Brooklyn Nets this year. I think they probably, you know, rack up a 6 or the 7 seed, and I think they lose in the first round. Man, that Patty Mills signing I was so excited about at the time. I and think I know I you were. And it, about it. Yeah, it looked good for a long time, Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was excited about it. I got to push back, not even on what you just said, and I'm not really prepared to argue Nick Claxton enough. Like, I just don't care about him enough. I don't think he's enough of a, like, let's take time to talk about him. KD dropping off, even if he, like, yeah, he's reached his peak. Like, he's in year, what, 15? But his game isn't predicated on athleticism, and he now doesn't have to do everything which he's had to do the last two years. That's why Ben Simmons is so important. KD doesn't have to sit there and be the primary ball handler, be the best defender, be your rim protector, your rebounder. He could kind of take it easy a little bit, focus a little more offensively. And like I said, that mid-range ain't going anywhere. He can shoot that when he's 55 years old. It'll still be sweet. And Joe Harris, another guy that his game's not predicated on athleticism. So him coming off an injury doesn't concern me that much. The shooting stroke should be there. He's one of the top, I think, five to seven like all-time uh, three-point percentage guys in the league. And Seth Curry's on that list with him too. So that's why I think their spacing is just going to be fine with Ben Simmons in there. You got shooters all around him. Um, you know, again, this like walking question mark. They're going to be the best reality show on on TV. Is the Brooklyn Nets? I'm excited to watch them. I will be a strict no bet Brooklyn Nets for a while. I hope I'm not good at being strict with that stuff. I'll probably bet them in like night two. But you know, they have to they have to be stayed away from as far as a win total because it can just go anywhere from 35 wins to 55 wins as, as I see it. And one last thing, Pete, before you jump in here. Um... The points you guys have both made are very valid. On paper, this should work, but it's not going to. It's not going to. <laughs> They're not well coached. Steve Nash, I like him. He's not a good coach. And that's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's decision. That's who they wanted. Um, you need an actual coach to run this team to be able to keep things together. You need a manager, if you will. Steve Nash is not that. And I think that's another reason why where you think things on paper should work out in real life, when you put this team on the floor, on the road, together for six, seven straight months, things will go wrong. What can go wrong will go wrong. The Brooklyn Nets rename themselves the Brooklyn Murphy's Law because that is what is going to be their season this year. Mm. Mm. So many good points. I wish Mark Lugo was here. I really do because he would be out here saying that Kyrie's going to average 27 and Joe Harris is going to shoot 52% from three. Who knows what would come out of that guy's mouth? 
with his hype on the Brooklyn Nets. We would have to pour some water on him, but he's 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 sound asleep now. We'll get some Brooklyn Nets thoughts from Mark uh, in the near future, I'm sure. Uh, I'm excited, just like what Cody said. I think the best point you brought up, Cody, though, is Ben Simmons relieving some of that pressure defensively from Kevin Durant and you know the multitude of ball handlers that can that can help that as well. We shall see. 50 and a half for the Brooklyn Nets, 38 and a half for the New York Knicks. Let's just very, very quickly, very quickly make some MVP picks and some uh some bets on some different awards. So quickly, Pat, why don't you give me your your uh you know your straightforward MVP bet and a long shot? Uh yeah, straightforward. I think it's a three-peat. I think it is a three-peat for Jokic. And I th- feel like just the way that the league has gone and the way the voting has gone. If it's not Jokic, this would be the year Joel Embiid wins it. So I think you, once again, it's not very sexy. A lot of people are going to be bored by it, saying the same old argument. But I think it's Jokic and Embiid. I think Jokic, once again, delivers the goods. Um, But if it isn't Jokic, it's going to be Embiid in terms of the MVP. I love that take because I think so many people are very quick to say Jokic can't win it three times in a row. It's not going to happen. Voter fatigue, yada, yada, yada. That we've hear, we hear all these things. But if he does exactly what he did last year or even a little bit better, and they're the freaking one seed, what are we doing? This guy might be a three-peater. It's serious, bro. This guy is no joke. That's why it made me so mad last year when Philly fans were acting like Jokic didn't even have a spot in the race that it was Embiid or you didn't watch basketball. Philly. They were telling on themselves constantly. Everybody who said it was Giannis, everybody who said it was Jokic went, man, this is such a tough MVP race. Embiid deserves it. Giannis deserves it. I just give the slight edge to Jokic. And Embiid fans are out here like, oh, Jokic, what, his VORP is high? That's why he's the MVP? No, he's fucking awesome. You watch this guy ever. Mm. Watch him one time. On any night, Tuesday night against the Kings, Thursday night primetime against the Warriors, it's 26-9-9. What are we talking about? Thank you, Pat. I got worked up right there. Holy hell. Just need to get that out. Uh, Cody, one straightforward, one long shot MVP. Straightforward, not sexy, odds on favorite, Luca. Like he he's lost guys around him. That's like the prime recipe for a guy to win MVP is to carry his team that's not so good to a spot where he's gone above expectation. I'm part of that like media who's like, you know, Jokic has to go above what he just did. I love the guy. I feel like I'm gonna have to like sound like I'm bashing him, but has there not been a three-peat since Larry Bird, if I'm not mistaken? Like, even LeBron didn't get his three-peat because the media just gave it to Derrick Rose. LeBron was better that year. Like, let's call it like it is. So, Luka, I think, is my odds-on guy. And how can I not – how can I not choose Zion Williams Williams in my uh, – Williamson, sorry, it's late. How can I not? I just hyped up the Pelicans for an hour and 45 minutes on this podcast. There's no way he's not the sexy 22-to-1 pick. Give me Zion to bounce back in a big way. Pelicans top three seed, 50-plus wins. Book it. I love it so much. I knew – I almost clicked Zion before you said it because I knew you were going there. Uh, Why not, bro? If he plays – I think he needs to play 68 games, right? Like if he plays 68 games, 24 points, Pelicans are a top three seed like you said. He will 100% get that buzz. And you might as well throw a sprinkle on plus 2,200 
Because if they're a top four seed and he's averaging 25 points a game, he ain't going to be 2,200 for long. It'll be up to plus 1,000 before we blink. It'll be uh, early, mid-November, and his odds will be cut in half. So I love that, Cody. That's a great long shot pick. For mine, my straightforward one is Giannis. I think this dude does everything. Uh, He could have won last year, and I wouldn't have batted an eye. He is that good. He is him, the whole nine. Giannis Atetokounmpo, if Chris Middleton comes back and they are a one seed, I think he is as good a bet as any at plus 600 to win MVP there. By the way, I didn't mention Luka, plus 425 as the odds-on favorite. And I'm going to go with my long shot. There's two guys here that I kind of like as a long shot here. My first one, I'm going to go with John Morant, plus 1,500. If he doesn't get hurt this year and they're a top two seed in the Western Conference, I think he's going to get some of that buzz because he's just an absolute highlight all day, every day. In the preseason, I mean, I don't know anybody in the preseason who looked that much better than they normally do, that much more explosive. This guy is cut from a different cloth, absolute savage competitor with a skill set like no other. I mean, it's Derrick Rose with some extra juice right now. Like, that's how it looks. Like, I'm talking, obviously, talking early Derrick Rose. That's how it looks from John Morant. And if they're that good, plus 1500 is great odds. And then I'll throw a little bit of love at, um, at Jason Tatum, plus 1400. He's been kind of knocking at the door of the conversation for the past couple of years. Last year, obviously, the season started pretty poorly for them. If he didn't have that really poor start, I think he could have been in the conversation last year. Why not this year? I mean, I don't trust the Celtics to be a number one seed in the Eastern Conference. That's what it will take for him to get there. But if he is continuously getting more efficient and attacking the rim and sprinkling in just a little bit more playmaking, right? Like if he gets those assist numbers up just a little bit over in Boston, plus 1,400 for Jason Tatum feels like an actual opportunity there to uh, to cash in on that bet. So I'm going with uh, Giannis as the straightforward, Tatum and Morant as the long shot. So. So we got what an NBA preview, an hour 40 of just NBA talk, just a couple junkies over at the corner of the 7-Eleven in the alleyway, just snorting NBA right up their schnozzle. Whew. (laughs) What is it? What is the meme? The dude in the bathroom with the, with the cracks or the crack spoon or whatever. I like the, uh, the Elmo one. With the Elmo is just face first in the whole pile of white powder. That is us in the NBA right now. I'm so excited. And it's hard to be like incredibly excited because week seven of the NFL, the Yankees and the ALCS playoffs for baseball. But man, NBA's back. Let's fucking go. baby. That's it. Subway Sports Talk. Cody O'Connor, thank you for spending some time with us. Mark Shenlugan, shout out to him too. Pat Boyle, as always, shout out to you, my friend. Anything to plug before you go, Pat? Nope, nothing for me. All right. Pat Boyle, 44 on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Cody O'Connor, out there somewhere on the Twitter, aren't you? Yeah, I'm kind of out there. I don't tweet much. At O'Connor underscore zero six. You don't need to follow me. There's no real reason to. It's okay. No, I don't know if anyone will anyway, but just in case they wanted to. At Pete Kennedy, two Ys, at Subway Sports Talk, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You know the deal. And on YouTube. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was the NBA mega preview. Knicks, Nets, extra sauce. That's it. Cheers.